on Broadway for Wednesday, June 5th, 2019. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. Ashley, we're going to have to figure out a way to get you in there without me having to introduce you uh, for tomorrow's episode. I, I know. Since you're a freelance writer, your your byline appears a lot of places. So we got to find a way to inter- have you introduce yourself for tomorrow. I'm just, nom- just I'm Ashley. nomadic wanderer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I like it. Broadway World, Broadway World's Matt Tamanini, Broadway stars James Marino, Nomadic Wanderer Ashley Steves. That's tomorrow how we're opening the show. Uh, I like. Let that. me see if nomadicwanderer.com is available. <laughs> Please do. I need yeah. a new domain. Yeah. Well, uh, James has about. 370 so uh don't worry he's got something for you but in the meantime while james looks up the who is record for nomadicwanderer.com uh we want to send out a very well-earned congratulations to the one and only donna marie asbury who ended her run in chicago uh on uh on monday night if you are unfamiliar with donna marie asbury she has been in the broadway production of chicago for 20 years uh, she is normally in the ensemble role of June, but she also is covered for Velma and Mama Morton. And after 20 years, she's finally hanging up the fishnets. And uh, she had a very emotional departure at the curtain call on Monday night. So we've got some pictures of that in the show notes if you want to check that out. But one of the things that I do at Broadway World is I manage the database. And I always, whenever I'm training somebody new that works for me to, to help with the database, um, I always do Chicago because the the rotation of cast rotation doesn't there's not many people that come in and out of it. And I always start with Donna Marie Asbury because I can say, well, we know she's in it. So if she's in there and then I go back and forth with the list, I'm going to have to pick a new person in the Chicago cast to explain how to update cast lists in the Broadway World database because she gone. <laughs> Donna, you've screwed up Matt's plan. Yeah, that's really what she's worried about. So <laughs> selfish, Donna Marie Asbury. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow, that is, uh, you know, she had it coming. So, (laughs) oh, look at this. First up in the news. First up in the news, Lena Hall joins the cast of Evita at City Center Encores. (laughs) Nope, wrong. No, wrong. wrong, City Center Show. Wrong City Center Show. Lena Hall joins the cast of Bat Out of Hell the Musical. What in the hell is going on? A bat. I, well, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I still am not 100% sure this show is happening. I don't, yeah. And, and then they go out and cast Tony winner Lena Hall in the show? As we've discussed multiple times in depth on this show, Bat Out of Hell, the musical, has had a troubled road before finally making it to New York following successful runs in London and Toronto. But the only engagement left on the otherwise canceled national tour is this five-week run the New York City Center from August 1st through September 8th. Lena Hall, Tony Winner for Hedwig and the Angry Inch, will be playing Sloane, who is the wife of the tyrant CEO Falco, who is being played by Bradley Dean. Yeah, again, why do you go with the name of another rock band? Whatever. Anyway, um, her character (laughs) is described as, quote, a hilarious drunk, but also harbors a lot of regret in her life and spends much of the story pushing herself to break free from Falco as he becomes increasingly tyrannical and violent. Uh, FYI, Julia Murney and Jackie Burns both played the role in developmental labs a a few years ago. So definitely getting uh, all the belters in there. 
Um, but here's the kicker, folks. Sloan sings at least parts in either duets or groups numbers where she is featured the following songs. Who Needs the Young? I don't know that one. What Part of My Body Hurts the Most? Don't know that one. But also, it's all coming back to me now. I Do Anything for Love. And my favorite meatloaf song in one of my favorite songs ever. If you pay attention to the show, you already know Paradise by the Dashboard Lights. Now, James, as our resident Selena Carvajalophile, what do you think about this news? Well, as I texted you, I said, gosh darn it, I'm going to have to go see this now. That is not what you texted me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's read the text verbatim. Uh, I'm not going to do that. This is a family show and we only curse. Uh, we do curse on this show, but not often. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're going to have to go see it. And that's the thing, too, is I feel like that's probably how a lot of the theater community saw this one, Ashley, because we talked about, you know, James and I did on text like, if you're going to say Lena Hall is going to do five weeks in a jukebox musical, the music of of Meatloaf and Jim Steinman, like that seems like a great thing for her voice, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we were just talking about Lena Hall last night in regards to Evita, which, you know, is the this is the polar opposite of Evita, which is kind of always what happens with Lena Hall. And she had one of my favorite celebrity cabaret shows a few years back cafe carlisle she kind of talked about her journey where she has uh been cast as sexy she's been cast as sweet and somewhere in between and trying to find a category when she doesn't really fit into any of these predetermined categories i would just like to see her in anything other than a rock musical for once (laughs) i don't think people realize how versatile of a performer she is and she just has really gotten so typecast but you know i'll still go see it i'll go see this very weird show that is starting to kind of feel like a fever dream did you see her in kinky boots i did so but you know kinky boots not so much a rock musical yeah well, but she didn't have a song in, in Kinky That's Boots. Yeah. All of her all of her songs <laughs> got cut out of town or during previews, uh, which is why she didn't, you know, why she just chose to leave Kinky Boots to go do Hedwig. But, I mean, for those of us uh, of a certain age, I remember Selena Carvajal on Legally Blonde Search for the Next Elle Woods. And uh, so she can do the peppy blonde. She wasn't really blonde back then. It was weird strawberry blonde she looks much better with this hair although that is her she is naturally blonde um so yeah i mean she's great and she's on the the new it was a tnt tv series it's been moved to tbs an adaptation or a spinoff or a prequel of some sort of the movie snowpiercer along with uh diffie diggs and jennifer connelly which is coming up in the fall so she's doing tv work so i guess you're gonna yeah so if she's gonna do a musical a five-week run or whatever it is uh, is great to just get her get her back into that that world, even if it's just for a short amount of time before having to go back to Vancouver to shoot season two, which has already been renewed, despite the fact that the show hasn't aired yet. Mm. All right, what do we have in the recommendation section? Oh man, it is the season for great features, and we've got three of them. First off, let's start with Time Out New York and the Queen of Downtown, Amanda Duarte. She has uh, an incredible article called Making the <laughs> Sorry, let me make this get this right. Making the White Way Great Again, <laughs> a political season on Broadway. And I'm just going to read you the first paragraph 
uh, of this, her lead here. Broadway, a 150-year-old electrical parade that chugs through the heart of a theme park, aims to entertain, provoke thought, and perhaps inspire change among people from all of life's many walks. But while New Yorkers welcome the seat-filling currency of all the world's peoples, American conservatives seeking to seeking an affirming theatrical experience in the Midtown region of this already great immigrant-built city have likely had a hard time buying tickets this season. And in the article, Dorte goes through and kind of talks about the politics of the shows this season, from uh, everything from the obviously political, like. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird and Hillary and Clinton into things like Head Over Heels and The Prom and even Hades Town with American Son, Choir Boy, Boys in the Band, everything else, to Gary, um, all those things in between. It's a phenomenal article. And Ashley, you are probably the person who knows the most about uh, Amanda Duarte. If people don't know who she is, can you kind of give us a, a, a real quick Wikipedia entry as to who she is and what she normally does. Oh, wow. Uh, what she normally does is a little bit of everything, which is what makes her so great. She's part of the downtown cabaret scene, which cabaret in New York is split up technically into two parts, but kind of three parts. One of which is midtown cabaret, which is kind of your mainstream cabaret. If such a thing existed, your uptown at cabaret is usually just Cafe Carlisle. And then your downtown cabaret is kind of the more experimental things, uh, a little bit more diverse, to say the least. And that's usually where Amanda Duarte resides. Yeah, her her description in this Time Out article is Amanda Duarte is a writer, performer and regional sex symbol who smokes <laughs> a lot of weed and sees a lot of theater. So. Yep. There you go. All right. Yep. The, the next article I'm going to recommend is from I backstage. Can, yeah, can I interrupt ahead, you for a second? Uh, Amanda had an article last year that was just absolutely hysterical. It was uh, called, what was it? Sit Down, Shut Up, and Clap, A Guide to Theater Etiquette. Yeah. It was totally awesome. We talked awesome. about that at the time, too. Oh, yeah. I love that piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she is true snark. <laughs> uh, all right. For the, here's the, here's the uh, for the exact opposite of true snark. It is a very sincere and genuine and lovely article from backstage, a place where you can often find Ashley's work, and is from uh, our friend that I mentioned on our uh, uh, was it yesterday or the Tony Omnibus episode? Um, I think it was the Omnibus episode. Casey Mink got to interview Heidi Schreck, the writer and star of What the Constitution Means to Me. Talk about her incredible career, and, and there's some great insights. It's uh, it's a really introspective and personal article. They did it in her dressing room, which uh, Heidi admits is kind of meta because it's all the stuff that she liked when she was 15, including mm -hmm. like big pink furry blankets and a lot of Patrick Swayze. And if you've seen the show, you know how personal that is to her. So I uh, highly recommend you read that. But then the last one, as great as Amanda Duarte is and as funny as she is, the funniest thing I've read in a long time came out in Vulture yesterday. And this is an article that purports to be an interview in which the great Elaine May interviews the Waverly Gallery playwright Kenneth Lonergan. Except Incredible. she had to do it in a short amount of time. So she emailed him the word or the uh, the the questions. He was in England. And so apparently there was some sort of Internet issue. 
And so all of her questions got garbled, although they are in footnotes in the article. And it is just one of the goofiest things because it is clearly a bit and it is very funny. And you forget if you only know Elaine May from the Waverly Gallery, that she is one of the pioneers of comedy and of sketch comedy. And after she kind of hung up her performing hat for a long time, was one of the great 80s and 90s rom-com is not the right word, but like lighthearted comedy screenwriters and also a director. Um, and it's just brilliant. I just giggled. I was like, she knows how to commit to a bit. And it works. It's so funny. Um, I love that piece so much. I read it last night and like you, I was giggling the whole time. Yeah, so good. And uh, it just, you know, like who does this? Elaine it's, May at it's 87 everything years I old. It's everything I love about Elaine May in that piece. It's just like you said, you can tell it's a bit, and, but it's it's so on the nose. Yeah. And and like I said, at 87 years old, we're going to talk about her again in, in, a, in a minute here, but highly recommend reading all three of those articles. And like I said, this is a great time. We always get great features uh, the week of the Tonys, and I'm, I'm assuming that these will just be part of that big bunch that we get by week's end. All right. Third up in the news. This isn't that clever that you put it third. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Three views on theater to launch this fall. Yeah, this is a story that's been kicking around for a while. and It's been picking up steam and, and we finally got um, some substantive details yesterday. So I wanted to bring it up today. There is a new online theater journal called Three Views. One word, the number three, V-I-E-W-S, that is currently raising money via Kickstarter in order to launch in the fall, the site will consist of original content in three categories, reviews, interviews, and purviews, which the site says will be articles submitted by theater or artists, including responses to reviews, their own original reviews, opinion pieces, and any other type of feature they would like to put together. And while that is an interesting idea, and I love more you know, content in the theater community, when you hear who is behind this project... It really goes from, oh, that's a nice idea, to something you really have to sit up and pay attention to. Three Views was created by the Lilies, a group that gives out the Lily Awards every year, a group that celebrates and advocates for women in theater, as well as a who's who of theater makers and cultural thinkers. Here are just some of the individuals on the founding circle. Kathleen Chalfont, Kirsten Childs, Madeline George, Stephen Adley Gerges, Denai Guerrera, David Henry Huang, Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, Leslie Crone, Martina Mayuk, Marcia Norman, Lynn Nottage, Antoinette Nwandu, Sarah Rule, Robert Schenken, Rebecca Tashman, Liesl Tommy, Marissa Tomei, Paula Vogel, and more. If you say that two of those people are involved, I'm going to sit up and notice. But all of them is incredible. But that's not all. They've already recruited a number of people to supply articles, including Alison Bechtel, Eve Ensler, Rosanna Gay, or Roseanne Gay, John Guare, John Lahr, uh, Cynthia Nixon, Mary Louise Parker, Wallace Shawn, Gloria Steinem, and more. It's just, uh, the amount of people that they've gotten to be a part of this is incredible. This site will also invite poets, nonfiction writers, visual artists, and other cultural critics to write about the theater. Guest editors will rotate on a monthly basis, and the site will always leave room for artists to answer back in order to create a dialogue. Now, James, you are somebody who has launched a theater website or two. Um, what do you think about this type of 
voice, collective voice, joining the conversation in the theater criticism and and feature writing community? Well, uh, you know, when I launched Broadway Stars so many, many, many years ago, there it, it was a big empty playing field. Uh, so we were, in essence, one of very, very few websites out there. Now there's just a million different platforms, and I think that the big power hitters that you just mentioned is is necessary to launch any new media site. Uh, so I think that they are off to a great start, and what they're talking about is, is something that uh, I might disagree that there's nobody out there doing what they're doing. I think that it's just the signal to noise ratio is very high and they, they you know, it's, it's hard to surface uh, good journalism these days unless you're a celebrity. But I think that they've got that celebrity aspect of it covered now. Deliver on the content. Yeah. Now, speaking of delivering on content, actually, that is what you do uh, on a daily basis. What do you uh, think about this kind of being a new outlet for people who aren't necessarily journalists while, you know, while we see, we saw two theater critics from the evening standard in London lose their jobs yesterday. We see papers cutting arts coverage and yet we're going to have a new site that people are paying for, at least through you know Kickstarter that doesn't actually employ journalists. Uh, I think that's a good question. Uh, on one hand, I absolutely am horrified regularly at the fact that there are fewer and fewer staff writer jobs, especially for art writers. On the other hand, a lot of these people that are going to be part of Three Views, I mean, Roxanne Gay, Lynn Nottage, uh, Alison Bechtel, and they're people who have either taken part in theater, created theater, are regular theater goers. I'm I when when this was announced I was very excited about it. I love a lot of these writers and creators. I think it's such a diverse, interesting bunch that it, and their words are respected nationally, internationally. They write beautifully, they create beautiful pieces. And you know that they're going to have unique, interesting things to say. Now, as James said, mm -hmm. yes, a lot of this content is already being created by people and it's for the most part being created in a vacuum that some of the whiter voices tend to get amplified. The celebrity voices tend to get amplified and you're not hearing a lot of the views that we should be hearing. I think Three Views is going to, even though it is celebrity, I, th I think Three Views is going to cut back on that a bit. All right. So is there uh, any time frames around this? I didn't hear if you mentioned yeah, just, anything. Just that they are planning to launch in the fall. So I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I don't have their Kickstarter page up with me right now, but um, I don't know exactly the exact date, but they are planning to launch in the fall. Okay. So uh, let's move into our second uh, predictions with Matt and Ashley. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> well, I don't know if we need the bum, bum, bums today. No. These feel like super easy ones. And so we might divert the conversation um, after we make our picks. But we're going to talk about the leading performer 
categories today. Um, the two plays and two musical ones. Let's start first with best performance by an actor in a leading role in a play. The nominees are mm-hmm. Patty Considine for The Ferryman, Brian Cranston for Network, Jeff Daniels for To Kill a Mockingbird, Adam Driver for Burn This, and Jeremy Pope for Choir Boy. James, I believe that you were in agreement with Peter and Michael on Sunday. Am I remembering that correctly, that you were all on the same page with this one? Cranston, yeah. Cranston, uh, Ashley, are, are you coming down with Walter White as well? <laughs> I'm always down with the Walter White. Yeah, uh, I mean, Brian Cranston and Jeff Daniels are the really the two major contenders of this category with all the buzz about Network and about To Kill a Mockingbird. Both had incredibly big shoes to, to fill. And I mean, neither of them were nominated for best play, but I started out as a political journalist and broadcast news. So Network is one of my favorite movies. And when I saw the production, I was just blown away. I thought it was so cleverly staged. I think about it pretty much every day. And Cranston just made that character his own. It's so entirely different from Peter Finch's Howard Beale. Yeah, I I think that this is a no brainer at this point. So I'm going to pick. Brian Cranston, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say this, that I didn't really get it. Like I thought I, I could, I could objectively say what he was doing was great. Um, his, the acting was great. The, the stamina that he had was fantastic because it is a high energy show, but it didn't do much for me to be honest with you. And I got to be honest with you too. Jeff Daniels, same thing. Like I, I was like, these are two big stars, and I I felt like a lot of the love for them, at least for me personally, was because of who they were, and they were playing characters that were, at least in Brian Cranston's case, a, a bit different from what he does. Jeff Daniels playing Atticus Finch is not completely dissimilar to roles we've seen him play before. So I thought they were both good performances, solid performances. Brian Cranston's going to win, um, but the one that really I did not see Choir Boy, um, but I saw the other four. Um, I've got a bad story about missing Choir Boy. I really screwed that one up, and it's actually James's fault. Oh, um, no, James, please. He, I don't think he knows. Bond 45 is on, not on 45th Street. No, James and I, I was supposed to go see Choir Boy an afternoon uh, during Broadway Con, and I ended up sitting with James and oh, yeah. uh, and and watching a podcast panel of our with our friends from Broad Wasted because I thought the uh, Sunday matinee of Choir Boy started at 3. It started at 2. Um, so anyway, um, but I would have, my, I would have voted for Patty Considine. I I thought what he did in the ferryman was, uh, electric and, Mm. and, and special. So that was my personal favorite, even though I'm quite well aware that Brian Cranston is going to win. No, I mean, I think Jeremy Pope and choir boy was remarkable. The show unfortunately feels too much like an afterthought at this point. And I mean, I think Patty Considine, Fortunately, also, since he's left the show, also has that against him. Yeah. Oh, well. All right. Next up, best performance by an actress in a leading role in a play. The nominees are Annette Benning for All My Sons, Laura Donnelly for The Ferryman, Elaine May for The Waverly Gallery, Janet McTeer for Bernhardt Hamlet, Laurie Metcalf for Hillary and Clinton, and Heidi Schreck for What the Constitution Means to Me. James, um, I think you guys were all on Team Elaine May, if I remember correctly. Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Peter and Michael voted for Elaine May. I went with Annette Benning. Oh, oh, okay. So you decided that was going to be the one where you were going to be wrong. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, I. You know, every once a year, I pick one category and I say, "This is where I'm going to blemish my perfect record." Gotcha. And this was okay. the one. Yeah. All right. Well, well. it was well, it was uh, Celia Keenan Bolger yesterday too. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I actually, you'll learn that I have the memory of Dory. In uh, Finding Nemo, so just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <laughs> um, okay, so hey, Ashley, are you? Are you <laughs> uh, Ashley, are you and I on the same page with Elaine May winning? I really want it to be Heidi. I am Team Elaine May, of course. I, I think it could happen with Heidi getting it, depending on if Constitution wins play, which I don't think will happen. They may say, well, we're not going to give you play, but you wrote this thing and you acted in it or, you know, quote unquote acted since a lot of people seem to be on the fence about that. Uh, Let's give you this at least. But I don't think it will. I was so blown away when I saw Elaine May in the Waverly Gallery. Uh, Like the piece that we were talking about earlier it just exemplified everything i love about her and she just tears into your whole soul and delivers such a funny and frustrating and heartbreaking performance i can't see her not winning especially after the drama desks in another year i think annette benning could have won i think heidi could have won but all things considered i think it's elaine may's year yeah i agree uh okay so let's move on to the musical categories i it, i don't i I wanted to save one that would seem like it could be a controversy, but I don't know that either of these are. Best performance by an actor in a leading role in a musical. The nominees are Brooks Ashmanskis for The Prom, Derek Baskin for Ain't Too Proud, Alex Brightman for Beetlejuice, Damon Dono for Oklahoma, and Santino Fontana for Tootsie. James, uh, refresh our memories on your pick. Uh, we were all Santino Fontana. I wanted. You, I just wanted you to, to do the accent. <laughs> all I wanted. Uh, okay, Ashley. I know that you and I share similar feelings about Tootsie. Oh, um, good. <laughs> so, um, and I've voiced those fairly clearly on this show before. But go ahead and, and tell us who you think is going to take home this trophy on Sunday. Uh, it's going to be Santino. Brooks Ashmanskis is that class of actor, and they all seem to be occupying Broadway net right now. Just remarkable physical comedy actors like him and Beth Level and Julie White and Christine Nielsen and Nathan Lane. I love Brooks. I will see him in everything and anything. I think his performance in the prom is so over the top and so sweet and so touching and few actors can embody that like he can. I love Santino. I hate that he's in this show, which I hate. I unfortunately think it's going to be a runaway for him and, you know, just have to kind of deal with that. Yeah, I I think it's going to be Santino. And again, I'm going to throw him in the same category as Brian Cranston and Jeff Daniels. I get why that performance is impressive to a lot of people. It just didn't do much for me. I mean, Santino and his Michael slash Dorothy was by far the least interesting character in that entire show for me. Um, except for maybe Julie Halston, who I thought her character was kind of um, forgettable and forget the fact that Michael McGraw is even in the show, a Tony winner who does almost absolutely nothing, but of the main group, he just didn't do much for me, but I understand that he it's impressive, I guess. Um, and he's a hard, probably gonna a win. hard, a hard, I guess. Yeah, I just, I, I have <laughs> I nothing just... against, I love Santino. I have nothing against him. It's just like, 
I understand why everybody's praising it. It just didn't do it a ton for me. So I yeah, I can I can rant about Tootsie all day. <laughs> we'll have another chance to do that at some point, I'm sure. So yeah. all right, last category for today, best performance by an actress in a leading role in a musical. Stephanie J. Block for the Share Show, Caitlin Kinnanen for the prom, a Beth Level for the prom, Eva Noblezada for Hades Town, and Kelly O'Hara for Kiss Me Kate. James, I I we know along with Lena Hall your predisposition to picking everything Kelly O'Hara, but I do not believe you actually picked her to win in this category. So my, uh, Michael picked Beth Level, Peter picked Stephanie J. Block, and I picked Caitlin. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Deception. Okay. All right. So I, 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 we've got one that at least the this week on Broadway crew disagreed on. Ashley, where do you think this one is going? I would love Caitlin to win. I would love Stephanie J. Block to win even more, though. Uh, this is my favorite category every year. I love the performances every year. I love the performances this year. To me, it just feels like a lock for Stephanie, and I really hope it is. It's another one of those it's just time for and to embody somebody who's so much larger than life as Cher is, you can't fail or it looks like a caricature on top of a caricature. And Stephanie J. Block does not fail here. Uh, this is the one, only one in this category that I have not seen. And I don't know that I'll really ever see it um, unless it comes on tour and I get it as part of the season. Um, so this is not my thing, uh, but I loved the performances of both of the nominees in the prom. I thought Eva was great, if not in an underwritten role uh, in Hadestown. Kelly O'Hara was tragically miscast in Kiss Me Kate. Um, and I just kept thinking when I watched the Live from Lincoln Center with Megan Hilty, how much better she would have been uh, playing that role. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I just I agree. I just feel like none of the other four have stepped up and despite the best efforts of Lisa Goldberg getting Beth level literally everywhere uh, yeah. for the past six weeks. Oh um, my God. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be enough. Uh, Stephanie J block. This is her third nomination has not yet one beloved member of the community. I think Beth level would probably be second. Uh, also her third nomination, beloved member of the community, but she's got one of these yeah. already. So I, I just feel like it's going to be Stephanie J. Block there. So if you agree with us, disagree with us, you can uh, tweet us at Broadway Radio and we'll talk about our individual handles here in a second. But um, yeah, so tomorrow we're going to talk about the four production categories, best play, best musical, and the two revival categories, as well as book and score. So uh, hopefully we'll have a little bit more dissension and not resigned malevolence to the eventual winners on uh, tomorrow's episode. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? <laughs> All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Matt. Ashley, where can people find you on the social media places? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at no, this is Ashley. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for spending some of your Wednesday with us, and the three of us will be back again to uh, talk with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.